You're listening to Real Estate for Real People, hosted by the Stone Sisters. The Stone Sisters have built an award-winning realty business, and they're here to share some of their knowledge with you. A new episode drops every Thursday. If you enjoy the show, please share it with a friend and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And visit www.stonesisters.com for more information just like this. Hi, um, thank you so much for tuning in again to Real Estate for Real People. I am Shannon and Tamara, and we are going to talk today um, about five things to consider when buying a waterfront property. Market overall is incredibly busy, and uh, waterfront sales in particular are really, really uh, soaring. I mean, it's it's been exceptionally busy, and there are a whole bunch of different things to to factor in when you're when you're looking at buying a property situated on on Okanagan Lake. And we just thought we'd we'd give you some things to consider. One of the main things to consider is which zone. And for some of you that haven't bought in a waterfront property or not from the Okanagan, might not even know what that sort of means. But there's different zones along the lake which dictate what you can do with your waterfront. Mm-hmm. So, and it all has to do with spawning. So here on Okanagan Lake, and I think a lot of the other lakes nearby, we have a lot of kokanee salmon. And they're very protected. Uh, everybody really wants to keep them growing and healthy and allow them to spawn. But there are four zones. Um, every property along the lake is is in one of four zones. Those zones are either black, red, yellow, or no zone. Mm-hmm. So. And so uh, your black zone basically means that it's it's highly protected. So you can't do a dock in, in anything that has a black zone, mm-hmm. and they really watch and protect that waterfront. Only exception to that would be if you used to have a dock. Um, sometimes point. those can be grandfathered. So it's, you know, black zone means it's it's an area, a really protected area. You have a lot of spawning happening. And, you know, in the old days, which was, what, two years ago? <laughs> but, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, there, were, there weren't any of these zones. There weren't any restrictions. And people did whatever they wanted. This was, was a bit of the Wild West. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. And so there have been some exceptions. You know, if somebody can prove with photographs or what have you that they used to have a dock... Even if it's in a black zone, they may be granted permission to do another um, dock. Mm-hmm. But if it's never had a dock and it's in a black zone, you're not getting anything. They, in fact, they won't let you put a jet ski lift. You won't. You're not allowed to. I mean, really, you're not allowed to pull the weeds out of the water. Mm, very, very protected. Yeah. So then next would be the red zone. It's still protected, but you do have a small window, mm-hmm. I believe, right, Tamara? A small window that yeah. you can maybe do a dock or what have you. Of course, you'd want to have to check with the ministry um, on that, but yeah. it's not as restricted as a black zone. Yeah, it's possible to do a dock or have a dock built in a red zone. Um, big thing there is they want to make sure if they're making any changes to the waterfront, it doesn't happen in spawning season. So in a red zone, you can't do anything in the water until after June 1st. And then the latest is September 1st or September 15th. I think it's September 1st. So it's a small window. We, we've got a property right now and they need to make some modifications to a dock that they've got. And it's all approved fisheries. Everybody's on board, but nobody can go in or touch that water. You can go in and swim, but you just can't, can't take any equipment or can't disturb the water at all until after June the 1st. Mm, okay. And then what about the yellow zone? This yellow zone is, is moderate. Yeah. 
And yes. so that means there's some restrictions or some time frame, but it's not not as much as the red zone or black zone, certainly. Exactly. Yeah, you'd be able to to put a dock in a, a yellow zone now. I mean, I think a consideration is, you know, making sure there's enough water, the, the depth is deep enough. Yes. You know, they don't want the barges or anything to, to touch the bottom. Mm-hmm. So right now our lake is ex- extremely low. So when that comes up a little bit in a yellow zone, you're you're fine to to do things. You know, I think all of this, you know, the big important thing is you have to have permission to do yes. anything on on waterfront. Um, you've got fisheries that are situated up in Vernon. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got the water board, which is federally con, um, controlled, and they're out of Penticton. So y- you've got a few governing bodies that all can pipe in, sometimes West Bank First Nations. Yes, good point. Um, for can sure. can have a say as well, but yellow zone, you're, it is very possible and extremely likely that you will be able to do a dock. Mm-hmm. Now, no color zone. That's is, the Wild West. That's, <laughs> <laughs> are there many areas that are no colored zone? I'm trying yeah. to think of our maps. That's so there are actually. It's and and again, there's there's still fall under all the same rules in the sense that you must have permission and nothing mm-hmm. can be disturbed and. You know, we'll have people sometimes they'll inquire about a property that had a a, a dock and then a, a boat lift, and but it was a covered boathouse. Yes. Or the rooftop decks or what have you, and they won't allow any of those any longer. No, that's so, so true. We've had a few clients with that. People will people will ask and they'll say, Well, I you know, going around on the boat this summer and I saw lots of houses that that have got those and I want one. And you know, so far anyway, fisheries hasn't hasn't demanded someone take it down. But if there's a change of ownership, if you need that dock license transferred, then then they won't allow that to happen. We should actually talk about that general permission and uh, specific permission too. Okay, so now it's not five things. It is six things. <laughs> <laughs> Redo it. No. <laughs> so number two, let's talk about that. That's a great point. Absolutely. So general per- permission or specific permission. Yeah. So general permission means that a dock was in an area, probably a, a no color zone or a yellow zone, no special exceptions. It wasn't in a higher risk area you know, close to Mission Creek or, mm-hmm. or, you know, an area red zone or what have you. So general permission means that, you know, it fell under the guidance. It was the right length and the right width to conform with what the new standards are and that y- you were able to do that. And there's no specific permission. There isn't an actual license that has to transfer. So you can sell that property. If it's a general permission dock, the new owner takes over and, and their dock license automatically transfers and and it's a clear process. And now if it's specific, specific means that there were certain guidelines. So we've just built a docker in the process of getting a dock approved at our place. And we had to do a specific permission. Mm-hmm. And so what that means if we were ever going to sell it, that that you know the new owner would need to apply and and have a special license granted. And typically you can't apply for that new license until you are technically the owner. So you want to make sure that you you make those phone calls and find out that yes, there doesn't any red flags on this. It will be fine, and then you transfer that over once you are technically the owner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So great point. Uh, number three, because we've changed our order a little bit. <laughs> no, number three, um, how do you know if you own the waterfront? Sometimes in on Okanagan Lake, you have where the city has they own part of that waterfront. So you don't technically, you look at it and you think, oh, I'm buying a waterfront property, but really technically you don't own that waterfront in the front. 
Yeah, uh, and that's that's a really good point, and mm-hmm. and I think it's changing as well. I think mm-hmm. I think there's always potential that that might change. So here in Kelowna, for example, we've we've got some properties quite close to downtown, you know, along Abbott, Typically. and um, you know, when we look at the official community plan, which is a great place to check, um, you can look at what the long term plan is, and the city has has sort of subdivided, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, they've they've purchased some waterfront properties. They subdivided the beach off, and and then resold the the home. So as you're saying, it looks like it's it's waterfront, and you know it's it's there's nothing between the house and the lake. It's it's a beach there, but people no longer own that beach, and you wouldn't be able to do a dock, right? And which is a great point. And you could have you know the public can come, other people can come and sit and use that beach. And you really can't say too much about that. Well, the public, you know, on any body of water anywhere in Canada, whether it's a lake, whether it's a stream, even I remember, you know, we'd sold a property a long time ago and there was a dry creek bed. So it hadn't had water. The water was diverted 20 years prior, but it still showed up on all the maps that that was a waterway. And technically, anybody from the public could come and walk up to the high watermark. You know, typically that's, you know, 5, 10, 15 meters um, up where anybody can come and walk all the way along the lake. Well, you're kind of jumping to my next point. So don't get ahead of us. <laughs> you showed so, me the notes. So I know, <laughs> I know. So number four, let's talk about that, the high watermark. So, mm. and that's something when you're buying waterfront, you want to be aware of where that high mark, that w- high watermark is, because it's 15 meters from that point that you can build a structure. So nothing within that time, in that um, area up to that, right? So, yeah. And that even includes retaining walls and yeah. fences. And, you know, sometimes we're, we'll sell properties. I mean, where we're sitting right now uh, is a property, a gorgeous home that we've got for sale on the lake on Abbott. And they've got pets and they've got a swimming pool. So they wanted that to be fenced. And it's, you know, even though they own right to the water and, and have a beautiful licensed stock, they, the fencing couldn't encroach on that sort of space. Watermark. Yeah. They, you know, and, and again, way, you know, a long time ago, I mean, people had fences right out into the water. Well, and we, we see a lot of properties now that were done back, you know, in the Wild West, which actually isn't that long ago. And, and so they have retaining walls that are in that high watermark area and mm-hmm. within that 15 meters. Now, you know, it's one of those questions, will they, the ministry make you change that? Because how disruptive is that going to be on the fisheries? I mean, if they've been there for 20 years or 50 years, likely they're not going to. But again, that's a question they, they could technically with the rules. They could. And, and in speaking with fisheries, I think the way you said it, Shannon, is, is perfect. That in speaking with fisheries, they're likely not going to, to require people to, to move those things if yes. it's going to cause a great disturbance. But they won't put in writing that they would never go and take it away. No. Then that's just it. Things, things could change. But, but yeah, back to, you know, high watermark and, and, you know, your build zone and, you know, having people come and, and be able to walk along. Mm-hmm. You do want to find out what you, you know, what it is that you own. Yeah, for sure. And then another question sort of jumping, but, and it seems, obvious to some degree, but, you know, people often think, okay, they come here and is all waterfront flat and easy access. Mm -hmm. And we have waterfront that's on the high bank and waterfront that's on the low bank. And there are benefits to each. Mm -hmm. So it's just something to sort of think about when you're looking at buying a waterfront property, what are you looking for and how do you want to utilize that waterfront? Um, The high bank is great because you often get views 
So you're getting that waterfront access, but you often have really nice views of the Okanagan. But you either have a lot, you know, many steps to go down or you have a tram to go down to that waterfront. Mm-hmm. Whereas low bank is just that. It's low bank. You can walk straight out to the water. Yeah, nice and level. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, people will ask us, I had somebody ask me this weekend, you know, what's the price difference? How much more will you pay yeah. to be level lakeshore versus high bank? And it's it's too hard to do a, a sweeping statement because, again, I think it depends on Personal preference. Mm-hmm. Some people love that high bank and, and are okay with having to take those steps to the waterfront because a view is really important to them. Well, and they get incredible privacy. Yeah, you know, they when, do. That's when, true. When we go up and down Okanagan Lake and, and or, or Kalamalka Lake, mm-hmm. but go, go and look at some of the waterfront properties and some of the most spectacular estates are are high bank yes. because they don't have anybody looking in their windows. They don't have anyone mm-hmm. watching them, you know, jump in their pool for a swim or sitting out in the hot tub. Whereas anywhere, you know, on the level lakeshore, you know, I don't, I think most people don't tend to set up camp for the day uh, in front of somebody's property. We're fortunate here because we do have a lot of public beaches Mm -hmm. and beach accesses and the public really tends to go where, you know, where the main beach is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. But that's, you know, I guess another advantage to being high bank over level lakeshore is you have a, a far lower risk of flooding. Yes, that's true. And that actually gets into our next. Oh, did I jump again? Yeah, you did. You must have the notes. (laughs) So number six is the flood zone and paying attention to the flood zone. And you're right, something that's in the high bank, you really don't ever have to worry about that, which is, which is great. And in the lower bank, you do. And that's Mm -hmm. something that's, that's quite common. Mm -hmm. Well, as lots of you will remember or, or might remember, we had a really big flood year in 2017. Yes. And Okanagan Lake was the highest it's ever been, highest on record. Mm-hmm. And it washed out, you know, I think in the vicinity of 85% of docks yeah. um, were damaged or washed away completely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we saw, you know, all kinds of big water containers, you know, mm-hmm. weights on these docks to try and help them, you know, not move away. They were just, the docks were lifted right up off their pilings and yeah. really, really catastrophic. I mean, it was it was extremely damaging. Um, then we had a little bit of flooding in 2018 mm-hmm. and then last year, so 2020, I think in yep. anticipation of possible, um, flooding, there was quite a high snowpack level. They, we lower our lake, um, which lots of people don't know. Yeah. We lower the lake every year to sort of anticipate, you know, that snowpack coming in and, and coming into the lake to make sure that we don't have flooding. Mm-hmm. And I think just, you know, they let out a little bit too much given what the snowpack was. I think the snowpack actually ended up melting slowly than they thought. It wasn't a, it wasn't a quick um, mm-hmm. impact or, or melt. Mm-hmm. And so the lake levels just didn't ever increase. So no. So was, last year was, was really problematic. It was the opposite of, of flooding mm-hmm. and it, you know, the lake still is incredibly low. Um, a number of people could not get their boats off their lifts. No. Um, you saw kinds of people putting buoys out way out in the lake, uh, because they, they knew they just wouldn't be able to get their, their boat, you know, onto their dock. You couldn't jump off the dock. I mean, we've seen some properties even now where their dock is completely out of water. Mm-hmm. The, the lake is down that much. So it's a real science to, to really make sure that the levels of the lake stays where it is. And I, I mean, the one benefit I think of us having high water and having low water is I think now they've got a pretty good idea as to where they need to, you know, lower the lake levels or where they don't. So I think that's a good 
good thing? It's a great hope. thing, but boy, I tell you, it's a job I wouldn't want. Oh, All that no. responsibility. It, you know, we were just commenting before we before we started recording about how low the snowpack seems to be. Yes, up at Big White this year. It's it really seems like I mean we Coquihalla. We were just in Vancouver, and there's hardly any snow along the road there. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting right now in the middle of February, so. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that impacts this year and, and yeah. you know, but, um, but yeah. For those who don't know, because uh, I'm sure some of you are wondering, well, if you lower the lake, where does the water go? And because a ton yeah, of people have no, no idea about it. So down south, um, it, Okanagan Lake stretches from Kelowna or pardon me, from Vernon through Kelowna and then down to Penticton. And at the end of, of Penticton's end, there's a, a little, town, a little community called Okanagan Falls. And that's, there's a dam there and that's where the water is let out and mm-hmm. goes down into Washington state. So yeah, little fast fact for you, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, well see done. what's going to happen this year because it, you know, there's lots of talk. A lot of people are saying, oh, this could be a bad flood year again, mm-hmm. and maybe it'll be really high. And for houses that are situated in a floodplain, I mean, one thing to factor back again to talking about high bank or or low bank or level waterfront, you can't get house insurance. So that's a really good point. You, if if you are situated, you know, depending on where the home is, and it's case by case. Mm-hmm. But um, you, you know, we see a number of homes where you could get fire insurance, and we can get theft insurance and earthquake insurance, but we can't get uh, flood insurance. So. And that's a great question to ask your realtor is to, okay, where am I? Am I in a floodplain? And that's something you can also mm-hmm. check at the city of Kelowna's website as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the maps purchasing. are great. They're, they are. They're really, really, you know, as accurate as they can be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a bit of a guessing game. I mean, the the person responsible or the, the group of individuals responsible for determining how much water to let out yes. will, you know, they are going to be ultimately r- responsible for this. So it's, those are big shoes to fill and so much different factors. Mm-hmm. But I think I think they put a lot of attention on Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. If you have any other questions about purchasing a property on the water, um, please reach out to us. We are always happy to help and uh, tune in next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Real Estate for Real People. If you want to reach out to the Stone Sisters, visit www.stonesisters.com. This podcast was produced by Podigy Podcasts. See you next time.